Good evening, everyone. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Irregular Search for Truth. I'm Scott, and I'm Sachin, and we're here once again. More civilized this time, refined. That's right. We've been going to finishing school. Pass me a beer. <laughs> here you go, Please. sir. Please. <laughs> I like how you made you made the sound. <laughs> A beer opening sound. <laughs> you could have just opened the beer next to you. I, it's open. See, that's but the, the other one. No, no, that's over there. See. Oh, I didn't even know that. Well, well, look at that. That was well placed. What an exciting start to the podcast. We're forty six seconds in. Do mm. it, do it. Oh, oh, that's good. Here we go. Let's let's see how this tastes. Tastes inexpensive. <laughs> All right. So, we should get going. Yeah. How you been doing? Good, good, good. Good. What you been up to? Uh, this weekend I went to San Diego. All right. Yeah. I I lived down there for ten years, and it's just every time I go back there, it just blows my mind how good the weather is. <laughs> and it's just like, how did I live here for ten years? And then how did I move away? Like I don't. Not like I shouldn't have or I couldn't have like lived there because I did obviously and it's just weird because when you go there it's like this weird almost absurdly perfect version of like paradise. The weather is just like <laughs> you just walk around in shorts all the time yeah. and I just feel like maybe it's compared to San Francisco because like maybe if I lived in the South Bay uh, you know like in San Jose or Oakland or somewhere else I would be like that all the time but here in San Francisco I would never wear shorts out. Right, it's so cold. Lever. Like, even on the hottest day of the year when I should wear shorts, I wouldn't. Oh, uh, because you don't trust it. I don't trust it. Yeah. And I know that, like, you know, I've seen way too many times that, you know, you go out in the middle of the day, 81 degrees, whatever, you go inside for dinner, let's say 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, you come out, and it's, like, literally 60 degrees. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something kind of drastic, but, like, 42 degrees. I, I would never over-exaggerate. <laughs> Well, I actually, I braved it, uh, the San Francisco uh, treacherous weather. Um, uh, I think it was on Friday. It was a really warm day. Right. And I went out in just a t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops. Felt like I was back in San Diego. Uh, and it, it held out for me. But I was back inside before, I don't know, five, six or something like that. And... I mean, even right you can now, never, like, like when you're when you're down in Southern California or, or especially San Diego, I think you have those nights when it's just so nice and warm at night. Yes. That you're just going out and you're like, I don't need a jacket. I don't need any of that. And you, it was even like that this weekend. I mean, it's September, you know, and it was like it was a bit like just slightly muggy. But yeah, it was mm -hmm. like, all right. I, I mean, like I was wearing pants. I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I was wearing shorts right now. It was just I, it was just weird i just don't understand it yeah I and mean, you right now if you look out the window it's like you can see the fog rolling in yeah it just like covers the city and it's just like cold now yeah you never you never get the hot nights in san francisco very rarely you, you get very rarely. you get a hot day every once in a while yeah. but but if you go out at night in shorts and t-shirt uh, you might regret it you probably will regret it you yeah. might be dead in the morning it depends from... on your go ahead i don't know <laughs> oh, I should have gone. <laughs> uh, 
I was thinking, like, do I go straight and say, like, from freezing, or do I just go ridiculous and make up something? Like, from gang violence. Yeah. There you go. Or an appendix burst. And then you had a burrito, and then, like, yeah. you know, I don't know. Cool. Well, yeah, so that's what I did. And it was just, like, it's just so weird. I, it's, like, when I go to, I've been to Las Vegas a few times, you know, and, like, you go there, and it's just absurdly warm, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just so strange because you could literally wear shorts every hour of the day and it's no big deal, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, not only that, but Las Vegas is, like, this weird backwards land. Yeah, it's, it's where a strange every, place. Especially coming from California, everything is legal or everything <laughs> that you should not do is, like, encouraged. <laughs> like, you could smoke indoors, which you can't do in California. You could drink outside, which you can't do in California. I mean, you could just, like, walk down, like, you know, the street with a, with a beer bottle in your hand, no problem. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And hmm. uh, you can... Uh, not that people don't mm-hmm. do that here. It's just that... No, you could do it on the main street yeah. in Las Vegas, like, no problem. No, like here, no brown paper bag necessary. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't walk down, like, the main street of any city with a beer bottle in my hand, just no problem. Right. You know, or, like, even, like, a gigantic beer bottle. You know, it'd be, like, no problem. I would just, like, walk down, this, like, Las Vegas Boulevard, beer in hand, and then, like, I would walk into a casino and have, like, three cigarettes in my mouth, you know, no problem. Like, nobody would look <laughs> at me all weird. You know, what else is weird there? Well, it's gambling, of course. Like, that's completely mm. legal. You can do that wherever you want. People, mm. while you're gambling, will bring you drinks for free. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's not for free because they're trying to get you to stay at the table. But, I mean, like, in essence, it's like, basically, I'm just sitting here playing a game and somebody's bringing me drinks for free. Right, right. Uh, prostitution is legal in all the counties except for the one Las Vegas is in. Oh, really? So, you can just drive outside of, like, I think it's Clark County. I forget the name. It might be that county. But basically, if you just drive outside, you can go to, and, like, go to a brothel. Mm. That's legal. There's people, like, just constantly handing out, like, uh... Like, on- porno slips? Exactly. Yeah, like, oh, I do you want to... Here's a person. Here's a person you can call or whatever. That's legal. Yeah. I And you know what the strange thing I found about that? I, like, I think before... Or the, when I first went there as an adult, or ostensibly an adult, legally an adult... <laughs> I don't know about maturity wise an adult but um, when I first went there they were handing those things out and I think it was before high speed internet right and so it's like oh my god here's pictures of like naked women and they're just giving them away <laughs> like this is weird but now with the internet yeah. it's like those guys are out of a job I think <laughs> because you don't need you don't need well, a guy standing on the street handing pictures of naked women out well, maybe, I mean, only be, only if you're, like, from out of town, you don't know where you're going, and you're just like, oh, here's a card. I'll just call these people. You know, I, I, I'm just speculating. I don't really know. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of this weird place. And it's like San Diego. And it's also got, to one degree, the weather of San Diego. Except, you know, what's weird about, uh, about Vegas is I feel like in San Diego, you can wander around in shorts and a T-shirt, and, uh, and, and it's great, and you never have a problem with that. In Vegas... You wander around outside in shorts and a t-shirt, and then you go inside and it's freezing. That's Because true. they have the air conditioning on, like, it's it's about 50 degrees. Oh, I don't know. Is it that cold? I don't, well, it feels that way. <laughs> Maybe it's a drop of 50 degrees. It probably, that's more really what From it is. 120 to 70. That's probably it is. But it's just like, I remember being there in, in Las Vegas, just like, oh, I could just, I mean, it's so warm. Or it's like being in, like, Hawaii or whatever. Mm. It's just like so oddly, strangely warm all the time. Yeah. You know, where it's like... Like I said, here in San Francisco, it's just always, I wouldn't say cold, although it is cold for sure in the winter, but it's always cool. You know, it's always like 60, 
to 65 degrees, you know, and right, 60 kind of kind of kind of chilly. 80 degree day is a weird day. It's really weird. It's like I don't know what to do. Like I always take a jacket with, with me. Yeah. Always take a jacket, yeah. you know. And like, if it's so hot on one day, like I don't take a jacket, I feel kind of weird. Like I don't know what to do. I feel cold just because I don't have a jacket. Yeah. Well, I mean, just think of the uh, the amount, the number of fashion statements that allows you to make. Well, that that is one good thing about. I mean, cold you would weather. you would be uncomfortable in a in a stylish jacket in San Diego or Las Vegas. I was I was uncomfortable because <laughs> that's all I wear. Mm, stylish I see. jackets. I don't know what a stylish jacket looks like, but I'm assuming that San Francisco affords those who would know much more opportunities to make use of them. They do. Have um, you ever seen me wear a jacket? I well see I can't I can't discern these things. Uh, well, let me tell you. I own lots of plaid. Wow. Uh, I do actually own lots of plaid. Um, I own uh, sweatshirts from when I was in high school. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I own some of that stuff too. I just don't wear it, I guess. Mm. But yeah, speaking of uh, businesses going out of business because of the internet. Oh, that was an interesting segue because I was like, "What? Where did you go up with that?" Oh, because of the internet. Oh, the naked ladies. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I saw a little thing today about apparently President Obama was talking about possibly. I heard Peasant Obama. Well, that's my new name for him, <laughs> Peasant Obama. He was going to apparently talking about or being open to the idea of bailing out the newspaper industry. Ah, interesting. And I was wondering. What you thought about that, like what you think the role of newspapers are, or if you want to go another way, like what do we do with industries that are going out of business that were there for a long time and the internet or technology in general is kind of tearing them apart. But it's funny that our whole society is based on these, whatever these industries existing. Yeah. For example, newspaper, for example, mail. Mm-hmm. You know, the need to transport one thing from another place to mm-hmm. another place. You know, things like that where, like, things have really changed. And there's a lot of these institutional-type businesses that are going out of business. Yeah. Because of the Internet. And it's like, should we bail them out because they don't, you know, mesh, and then but they're so institutional? Or should we force them to do something else? I'm, this is just, just one man's opinion here. But I'm generally against bailing out businesses. Yes. You know, yes. I uh, I think I'm uh, I'm more for like when I guess it was I guess it was early this year and and Bush started it late last year with the bailouts and and stuff like that. I think I think generally I was against that. i you know like I, I can't say you know here's the thing I'm not for you know. Uh, massive unemployment and and terrible things happening like that. You know, you don't want to see you know bread lines and things like that. But but I don't feel like I feel like that those bailouts didn't reward the workers so much. Oh, they to- I mean that... they they rewarded the executives. That and goes they, and saying. the executives are the ones who are doing the bad job. So it, it doesn't. I don't know. I mean, like, it's like if your business is failing, it's not. It's not because, uh, you know, your factory line workers aren't doing their job well. It's. I mean, a business that size. I mean, maybe if you have a small business and it's failing, it, that could be a reason. But, but a business size of GM, Ford, you know, these these companies, uh, uh, or or the banks or whatever, the credit groups. I mean, the, those things failed because of bad, you know, management. 
But like, yeah. yeah, for example, like if you talk about um, the GMs, the Fords of the world, for example, like, you know that movie way back in the day, Roger Moore, or, uh, you know, Roger and Me? Roger With Michael Roger, Moore? Michael Moore, Not yeah. Roger Moore? Roger Moore, the, the middle bond. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like he was basically laying this huge guilt trip on um, Roger Moore. Roger Mill? No. Roger... Research the, needed. The guy, the guy who was the uh, yes, the, the guy who was the CEO of of, of GM, GM at the time or whatever, oh, yeah. right? He's laying this huge guilt trip on the on him, saying, "Why are you closing this plant?" I mean, basically, Flint, Michigan, is going to be completely devastated if you do this, right? You know, right. and it's like you're punishing this city because of whatever. But that's what a bailout would do, right? It would keep these businesses open. It would keep these factories open. And in the end, yeah, it does end up hurting thousands, tens of thousands of people. I mean, decimating an entire city, really. Right. And I, I don't know if you saw that movie, but... I did see that movie. I mean, yeah. it was devastating, right? The things that people were resorting to and what they were left with and mm -hmm. how they were left to cope. It's like, you know, when you have no, when you have a job and your entire city or mostly your entire city relies on that industry and that job goes away, what do you do? Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's tough because, yeah, like, I mean... If your company doesn't adapt to whatever it happens to be, you know, I, I mentioned newspapers and the internet, but I mean, maybe for, for GM, it was just like they were hard, really hardcore into suburbans and they just, or, you know, SUVs. And then yeah. they basically, the gas prices like shot up and then Toyota and and, and uh, Honda, like, well, we have all these efficient vehicles and you guys are out of luck. And it's like, but all the people who are going to suffer are people in Flint, Michigan and Detroit right. and all these smaller right. cities where, I mean, it's a factory town. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I remember talking to a friend of mine who came from Detroit uh, around the time of the auto bailout, and I was like, so what do you think about that? And he, and he, he said something that I, I think I agree with uh, in a short-term perspective. If they if they gave them money to stay operating for a few months and, and, you know, to basically keep thousands of people from being laid off immediately, then okay. But to prop up or nationalize these sorts of businesses, I'm definitely against. And and I really think that, you know, you, I think that there's this executive uh, culture that's kind of untouchable. And I think that those guys, when they screw up, man, they gotta have it stuck to them. And, and I don't know that it happens outside of uh, Bernie Madoff and the Enron guys. But it's not so simple, right? I mean, like, what do you mean stuck it to them? Unless they've done something criminal, all you could do is, like, fire them. But, I mean, they've already made right, millions but, of dollars. But even when they get fired, they get millions of dollars well, in okay, bonuses. Okay, fine. Let's just say it's you like, fired them without a bonus. Like, they already have $100 million. It's not a big deal, right? It's like, all right, fine. Go find somebody else to run this huge company. Like, you know, there's only so many people who are qualified to do that. I don't know. That's, again, I think this point came up uh, before. I think that... I think that, uh, this is to reiterate again, but I, I don't think that there are only so many people who are capable of doing that. For sure. Okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, like, that's fine. But, I mean, the guy, the point is these guys losing their job is not really any sort of, like... It's not a blow to them? No, it's not. Hey, I don't know. I mean, I think I think if we had a, a greater culture of corporate responsibility and... and uh, uh, general responsibility for one's actions, I think maybe then it would be because it would be harder for them to get a job if they were, you know, the guy who ran GM into the ground. 
But I mean, if anybody, if somebody wants to hire them, they'll hire them. I mean, that, no, that's true. I, I'm, you know, hey, there's nothing you could change that. More way. power to you if if you're smart enough to hire that guy. I don't know. I mean, but yeah, I, mean, I just, I mean, going back to the point of, you know, I mean, I, it's how can you delineate or like, you know, somehow specify? Well, this is not a bailout. This is a, this is a prop up, versus oh, this is to keep this job for this this town. Right. Right. Okay. So I guess I guess if I were to. Uh, to have to make a call on it, um, I would say I would rather see the government provide uh, basic services for people uh, than to than to keep failing businesses uh, running. <laughs> what does that mean? like that's not perfectly clear to you how does that manifest itself into anything meaningful i what that means is uh if say you've got you know 500 million dollars to do something okay the government okay you could either give it to this business right and see if they can fix themselves with it right or you could establish something, uh, programs to to take care of people while they're out of work and looking so, for something new. Okay. I would put it in the take care of people and don't save the business. But how would you take care of them? I mean, you just give them food, or you would like? Oh, I would say yeah. Put them to work. Food. Uh, oh yeah, definitely work programs. I think are are worthwhile things to invest in. That's not just like, like socialist labor camp or something like that. No, no, no. <laughs> like uh, like uh, conservation core type stuff and. Uh, and you know, uh, training people. I would, I would do anything, you know. But at the same time, I lean towards being against welfare. I don't so, believe I mean, in giving people though? money. No, I believe in people giving people skills, putting people to work, giving people if if they are absolutely desperate, you give people food and a place to stay. So you put them to work. Put them to work, yeah. But you don't. But I don't believe in giving people check for mm. doing nothing. You know? I'm trying to think of like why it just seems very strange, like from a, like kind of like a top level point of view, that the government is basically just making it work so that people will, you know, here do this thing, dig this hole, and I'll give you thirty bucks. Oh no, you know, I don't think I don't think that anyone should do that. I mean, I don't like I don't like make work for nothing programs. But if you have if you have programs that require labor for the good of society, such as you know, building. Building projects, uh, fixing up national parks, building roads. That but I mean, we're talking about an entire town. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, that's that's something that on a on a, I mean, that's something that the town's going to have to recover in time. And but the thing is, they they do have a lot of labor that's skilled there. And ideally, somebody you know will come in and realize here's a lot of skilled labor. They're looking for, they're looking for something to do. There's a lot of infrastructure in that town. There's a lot of uh, capital. Uh, in terms of like machinery and stuff like that, I can go start my business there. Someone can build a better car. Someone can build an airplane. Someone can build a I boat. Mean, they could, know? but I mean, not in the not in the depths of a recession, right? I mean, they're not going to go in. They're not going to go into mission into Flint and well, say, what, "Well, I mean, so what? What does it take to get out of a recession then?" It takes time, right? I yeah. Guess. Okay. So, but I mean, like, and I, when when a company like, but the thing is, when this company, let's say it's not a recession, but like it's a techn, like you know, a lot of a lot of uh, booms, at least the last few in this country, have been based on a technological shift, mm-hmm. almost, right? Like, what happens when this technological shift puts this city out of business? It's like, well, you put all your stock into 
SUVs right. or newspapers, right. for example. You know, it's like what happens when the internet or smaller cars or higher, uh, you know, fuel efficiency or higher gas prices pushes you out of business? Uh, well, I mean, I think as I was saying before, you know, it's generally a bad idea to have a, a, all your eggs in one basket. No, I mean that goes without saying, but in in, but, in, in, uh, uh, um, in practice, a lot of people end up doing that. And what happens, I, and what I'm saying is. Uh, you, you know, it's. I think it's. It's not the government's responsibility to save, save businesses. It is the government's responsibility to, uh, to save people if they're starving. Mm. Uh, sure, sure. You know, and that's. I mean, that's. That's more than the government's responsibility. That's society's responsibility. It's really and, tough though, because you know, it's like with this. Like, okay, let's talk about this bailout thing, right? It's like. People, it's their responsibility to make the, keep themselves from starving, right? If you, right. if you have somebody who's just not right. managing and I think, their money wisely, I think you know, small local type economy things will will build up. I mean, the, like in that movie, the Roger and Me movie, the woman who had rabbits, right? And then the health department you know. came and took shut her down, right? Which was a bummer. But uh, <laughs> I mean, she was like basically they were like living on top of each other and like in. Like kind of gross conditions, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, you know. So okay, if if you expect people to operate at a certain level, then you have to prop them up to that level if if things collapse, right? Yeah, I, it's just tough because yeah. it's this strange, I think, um, give and take between people. They should have their own individual freedoms, and like government shouldn't do these things. Good government shouldn't do that, but you can't allow them to starve. But it's like, but then why don't you act responsibly? And you know, like whether it be invest wisely, or not have a job at a, at a, at a you know, at an auto plant in in a city that depends on auto, with a company that doesn't seem to like have a worldview of what people need. Oh well, but so you're, uh, am I understanding you correctly in saying that like you think that the that the workers? Oh no, and what not... I'm what I'm saying is that's an impossible choice, right? I'm oh, not, okay. I mean, I'm 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 putting it in a sort of ridiculous sort of way. It's like I have to invest, right? Otherwise, I'm gonna like lose all my money or something like that, or I'm mm. not gonna have enough money to retire. So I have to invest. And who am I gonna invest with? Well, all these like skis bags on like Wall Street, right? I mean, who <laughs> else am I gonna invest with, right? And it's like, well, I live in Detroit and I'm a mechanic. Where am I gonna work? Well, I'm gonna work at GM because that's the thing in my town, right? But mm. all these bigger entities, they're run by all these guys who don't care about anybody but themselves and the money they make. Mm. Right? They're not looking for the long term or what's going to make the workers have a job for a long time or how can I make sure that this is a sustainable business, although that's their charge, but they're also interested in the quarter-to-quarter -quarter earnings. Right. Stock you know? price. Right. All that stuff, right? So it's a kind of a weird... And that's why I wonder, what do we do when the newspaper industry goes out of business? Because, well, not only have we put a lot of journalists out of business, but this company, or this, not company, but country was founded on freedom of press. Right. Right. And like, who's going to be interviewing the White House, uh, you know, the, the president in the in the White House room with all the reporters when it's just a bunch of bloggers? <laughs> you know, who do you pick? Like the, the, the most well, popular? Uh, you know, I, I think that the uh, the Internet does provide kind of a neat opportunity for uh, a real. I mean, think about if you wanted to break into the news industry uh, uh, 20 years ago with a new channel you would need to have monstrous amounts of wealth and with the internet you can do it 
on a really slight budget and you can suddenly you can get enough people looking at you that you could compete with with uh, these you know like some bloggers not us <laughs> have you know thousands upon thousands of viewers and uh, no, and millions so, upon millions yeah, yeah okay yeah. yeah and and so I mean like there's that possibility I think the internet's really good in that sense suddenly it's much more democratized and uh, and it's much more of a free market than a market controlled by you know four oh, or five I mean that goes without saying but it's it's strange because a lot of the way our society has been built up is like there are industries and there are people and there are like modes of conduct that are based on a print medium Right, right, and there's people who sell newspapers. Yeah. There's new newspaper stands. Mm -hmm. Right, there are journalists who have like a, a normal routine, like access pass to the White House or to the briefing rooms of all you know governments across the land, and those are people who come from print. Yeah. Right. What happens when print goes away? Who qu asks the questions? And is it like is it like a uh, government guy thirty seven? You know, <laughs> or is it like well, Cal politics number forty-two? Well, here's know? the thing. I think I think that the who the people will choose right will be the one that is uh, that proves to be the most accountable, and and I think that you know that's not going to be uh, you know reporter dude eighty-four. But, but it's going to be it's going to be the one who provides the most transparency not only about you know what what they're trying to report about but who they are but see the weird thing is the way uh, newspapers are going now it's like okay newspapers we know how they were uh, what their profit not profit margin but um, uh, not their profit model but like basically their finance model was ads and subscriptions right right now for the internet there's no subscriptions Right. And if there are, they're minuscule, mm -hmm. and the ads are dwindling. Mm -hmm. So who, I mean, who's gonna pay Reporter Guy Forty Two? Well, I mean, if you got started and you got going enough, theoretically, I bet you people would be willing to part with a penny a day, and you'd make a million dollars. Then the newspapers wouldn't have a problem. I mean, the newspapers wouldn't be complaining, and they wouldn't be out of business if that was the case, right? The problem is they have are having a hard time monetizing because they because they gave it away for they free. They gave it away, right? Right. And now the thing is, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody can't. Nobody can charge. Right. Because it's been given right. away. Well, as soon as everybody goes down, then somebody's going to start charging. Yeah. I mean, then it, it's. I mean, it's it's that first tech boom, that first bubble. Right. Uh, back in whatever the late '90s or something like that. Yeah. You know, the first internet boom had to pop. It and did, but I mean, it doesn't. It hasn't changed anything. It's everything's still free. No, because because someone found models that work. I don't think anybody's found any models that work. Nothing's free. I mean, everything is free still, and all these companies that make a ton of money, they make them off of ads. Okay. Right? But those that ads, works. they make less and less every year. Hmm. You know, and it's like those ads, like, they're dependent on, like, whether the economy is good. If the economy goes, like, you know, if we hit another, you know, it's a cycle. If we hit the bottom of a cycle and all of a sudden the ads are down, we have to lay off all the reporters because, I mean, nobody's paying the money. And, I mean, let's just say I do pay, and let's say the subscription is $5 a month. Mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna copy it and send it to like 16 of my friends for free over That's email, true. which is free. That's true. I don't know how they plan on charging for it, but I mean, it's like it's so difficult to keep things free anymore, or yeah. to uh, keep things not free anymore. No. So, but I mean, like, I guess what I was getting back to was we've built a lot of like things around this industry, print. Mm -hmm. You know, like like I said, most importantly, the print media has been charged with 
accountability and politics, you know, fact-checking, mm-hmm. reporting on nightly news, however stupid the nightly news is, right? Like, just basically reporting news to people, being ac- allowed access to a politicians to ask them questions, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just, like, some constituent. Right, right. Like, uh, it's, it's how, do, how do we function without these things anymore? It's weird. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, I just don't think... I, if you asked me, should the government bail out the print industry, the print news industry, I would say no. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I think it's one of those things we're just going to have to figure out when it comes. Well, what do you think? I mean, what do you think? I mean, now that... So here we are. Mm-hmm. Right, the print. Let's just say it's a goner. Okay. You know, like let's just say in three years, print will cease to exist in a widespread format. Right. You know, and if it does, it'll be people funding it at a loss. Okay. Well, maybe nonprofit. So nonprofit. Maybe. But nonprofit. That's that's one viable. You know. Sure. Uh, sure. So, but I mean, someone's going to give them grants and all that stuff. But let's say let's say that okay, so nonprofit. That's one way, right? Yeah. And then the other way is obviously the internet, because there's gonna be a million people writing reports, you know, and blogging and making yeah. entrance, entries on the internet. How and we'll have no idea how good they are or bad they are, right? Because it's the thing is, all that print is just all those words that come on the internet that, that you know, there's sources and stuff like that, and they're just click-throughs. You don't know if they're true or not. Right, right. And they, I mean, do these people have access to ask the questions? Do they? I mean, do they go to town meetings? Do they like watch C-SPAN? I don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody knows what they do. The nonprofits. We also don't know what they do, but at least they sit in some building, right? And they have a title. Mm-hmm. You know, is that is maybe I mean maybe that's the way it's going to be. Like it's going to basically going to be um, nonprofit, grant sponsored news, which yeah, or, is a, or just donor, you know, donor. Well, KPBS, like basically yeah. a NPR, NPR type stuff. I mean, and NPR, honestly, like you compare you compare what NPR puts out there to. Uh, to you know, Fox News, CNN, and whatever the other one is, MSNBC, and NPR is the best news source there. Of course, and it's strange because the thing is, NPR has a very interesting relationship with the government. Right. And yeah. that's the thing, right? I mean, are we? Do you really want to go state-sponsored media? Yeah, I don't think so. But I mean, and if you do, because NPR, media because NPR is not. a great news source. Yeah. Right. But. If that's the only one left, and that's the only one that can make it, what do we do? Right. I right. mean, we need some sort of other thing to compete. Yeah. And, and not compete on a you know marketplace unless, sort unless of you like had, way. Unless you had transparent separation from you know as long as as long as the chief of NPR is not a political appointment. And I think that's the way it is know? now. I mean, I you mean, have the corporation of public broadcasting. They've separated themselves and made a separate like government-sponsored corporation, right. which is supposed to be outside the sphere and, of political and, influence. But it's it's the obligation of the government to fund that. Of course, which is and, strange, right? It's a strange obligation. Yeah. But as long as that obligation cannot change from party to party or, or whatever, right, right. Then, then I think that could be work. That could work. Do you could think that could work? work? I mean, is that, that is that sufficient? Like just to have one? Um, I mean, would you only have one necessarily? If you know, I think I think that as soon as as soon as uh, news uh, channels or or mediums start to fall, something will come up and fill it, fill that place. That's what I wonder. I just like like I said, if there's no money, I don't see anybody doing like what motivates people is money. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, like. Uh, no, that, that's not 100% true. Uh, you're totally right. When I said that, I was like, what am I thinking? But 
What motivates businesses? What motivates businesses uh, is money. Okay. I mean, yes, there's people who do not. I mean, there's plenty of like, I mean, you look around and the, the world is filled with things that are fueled by things that are not money. You know, right. like art and beauty and just service mm-hmm. and good nature and whatever. That's I mean, these these are all perfectly good me- means of motivation. But for news organizations, I don't think they're necessary. I mean, obviously they're driven by this creed of like you know delivering the truth and all that stuff. But as soon as like some other news organization pays them twice as much, or maybe five times as much. The there's report. some price. You mean the reporter will go to it? Yeah, uh, there's some price, and that reporter's like, all right, see you later. Yeah. I know you're the New York Times, but this is the Tampa Bay, you know, like, But, uh, but I think it, it, when it boils down to it, someone's got to hold I mean, I hope someone's got, like, say say it comes down to your your spin channels, which are, like, Fox and MSNBC, and, and I think CNN is, is one of them, too, uh, that... That maybe CNN doesn't pay people so much, but MSNBC and Fox, those are not news channels. They are they are spin channels. You know, they're they're in essence kind of like these uh, rhetoric-driven uh, programming. Um, uh, I think ultimately, like say they buy off most of the reporters, prices are going to go up for each reporter that goes out. You know, uh, from your genuine news source, uh, and that's I think would just follow sort of a supply demand thing, and uh, and when you got down to the the bare bones of it, I think ultimately like if a reporter has some integrity and self respect, they're uh, they're gonna say you know they're gonna say, oh my goodness you know everybody's at these other channels and they don't report the news in an unbiased manner, and I believe in reporting the news in an unbiased manner. And so I'm going to stay with this little community business, and hopefully there are enough people that that will pay for that that'll keep it alive. And that is why we're all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> like you look at anything in the world, and we are so screwed. Mm. Look at music. Like there's a bunch of people. If you, who if you really want to know why we're screwed, we should talk about world population. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's just gotten to the point where like. Money's king, right? And it's like, like look, look at the people, like, like talk radio, MSNBC, Fox News, for example. It's like they could, they could telecast the news objectively, and tell the truth, and sh- or at least not spin it, put it that way, mm-hmm. and like try to get people to really do what's right or objectively discuss, have a real discussion. Or they could have somebody with an opinion, right? And it's more entertaining to watch an opinion. It's more entertaining to watch somebody who's spewing what they think in a very convincing and like almost argumentative manner, mm-hmm. right? And you would rather watch, or not me, maybe not you particularly, but many people would rather watch Bill O'Reilly on Fox News or Glenn Beck or even Keith Olbermann and their rants than watch a calm and measured report from Jim Lehrer on MP- on uh, you know PBS. PBS, or listen to the radio NPR and listen to them in their little snooty voices. You know, or they'd rather listen to Rachel Maddow, even who's not really as as far. I don't as know I can, who that one is. She's kind of a new like voice. Yeah. She's becoming a very interesting person who's like kind of calling people out. Mm. But like yeah, like basically Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Beck, Keith Olbermann, and there's a bunch of other ones that are coming out. Rush Limbaugh. You know, I mean these are people who are entertaining, and, and they wild people up. They get them emotional. They get them angry. But they don't necessarily report the news. They just like look at the news and they spin it, like you said. They're a spin channel, right? right. And that is what 
people are going towards because that's where the money is. Right? I mean, that's and I mean, people aren't going to really respond to anything but something that's going to rile them up. Mm. And that doesn't leave that doesn't leave much space for anything else. Well, I mean, if if uh, ultimately you're saying that that uh, these things, if they if they don't report the news in any way, then they can just become voices for the their advertisers there you know and and so what you're saying is it's moving toward a strictly corporate controlled information source is that right i don't know if i'm saying that but i'm saying like i wouldn't rely on the goodness of people to get you good news or good anything mm. you know like good music look at the music it's like terrible right and that's because what what sells is what 13 to 24 year olds listen to Okay. Look at TV. What what are people watching? Reality television. You right. know, it's like that stuff is terrible. Yeah. But it's like that's what people watch. They want the excitement. They want the drama. They want the intrigue. And that's what news has become, right? It's become right. this show, right? It's even an entertainment program. Even ABC, NBC, CBS. It's like, you know, the the specials they have. It's like basically they'll look go after like child predators, which is like, and and they do it in an entertaining way, yeah. you know, or they'll go after a funny story, or they'll go after something that has to do with Viagra. You know, or they'll have to go. They'll go after something that is shocking. You know, and it's like they won't go after the real news. They won't go after real in-depth analysis of any story whatsoever. It's like, no, this is the thing that people are going to tune in to listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll give you teasers tonight at eleven. What you need to know to save your kids. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you yeah. know, come on, right? That's not news. And like, what you're going to report is obvious, and it's not that big a deal. Right. Right. And there's no reason people should be afraid about it. Exactly. Or, right. No. And if it was so important, tell me now. <laughs> not tonight at 11 exactly. for god's sake if you're doing me a service do me a service you know and like i if that is why we're screwed hmm. we are screwed because nobody will do anything for anybody else except for money well and but i mean all the bloggers blog for free right well and that's the thing right i mean like they do it for free we do this for free we do this for free and we have like 40 listeners no no we have forty thousand listeners <laughs> oh, oh i'm so sorry but we don't provide a service i mean if we just sat here and said today president barack obama supported a bill that would do this nobody would listen right but like you and i are going back and forth talking about our our viewpoints yes and it's interesting because you know we have different we have different points of view and sometimes we disagree to hilarity <laughs> And sometimes, we <laughs> but sometimes we don't. I mean, but the that's kind of like what it's become, right? It's become this an infotainment, which everybody knows, right? right I mean, right. it's become this infotainment like news source. And I think, you know, news up until maybe 50 years ago, or maybe even up until 10 years ago, was sort of this cut and dry. You know, I wear a bowler hat, I wear a suit to work, you know, and I do my reporting. But mm-hmm. now it's like. You know, these guys who are out in the field and they're doing undercover, like, you know, detective work mm-hmm. and they wear, like, kind of cool shirts and they're, like, you know, their personalities. Who do you, who are you attracted to? I'm attracted to Anderson Cooper because he's a good looking guy. You know, not to, like, speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, the blue eyes, the silver hair. You know? <laughs> you know, Larry King is like a thing of the past, right? Nobody listens to him anymore because he's not cool anymore. You know, and, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just say it's weird, and going back to like kind of the, if you tie it all together, the the auto industry, the uh, newspaper industry, it's weird that all these industries are what this country, or at least sections of this country, are built upon. Freedom of the press is built upon their being a press. Right, right. Well, okay, so coming back to the original point, bail out the print industry or not, I'm still going no, and the example I'm going off here is BBC. 
they are government sponsored you know uh not only news but entertainment and and whatever but the bbc news i find to be quite a good news program true and they're i mean and they yeah they don't rely on advertisers i'm assuming or they they i you know i don't know a ton about it i don't know there's a ton of channels in england though no there aren't well you know what i bet there are now I bet there are, uh, uh, you know, the competing cable networks and all that jazz, but but the BBC is there and will be there. True. Always. True. You know? And I mean, I just wonder how. I mean, I wonder how they're doing now if there is competition from cable. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as far as I understood it, uh, up until like let's say ten years ago in England, there was a TV tax. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, uh, they, no. and you couldn't watch TV over there unless you paid this tax. Huh. And I mean, I don't know. Somebody told me this my. I think my boss told me this once. He's from England, and he told me that they would go around and they have like some sensor. It's I don't know. This is like almost absurd, but like they have a sensor and they can tell whether you're watching TV or not. Like the TV is like broadcasting signal, and they uh-huh. they can like look at your address, say whether you paid or not. This sounds absurd coming in my mouth, so it might completely be. He might have been putting me. Was he BSing you? <laughs> I, let me just. We you can look what? that one up and we should bring, look about it up. It, bring it back but next But I'm time. pretty sure there's a big, like, tax on television. Mm. And, I mean, that's the way the BBC gets its funding, right? And there's BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, BBC Four, all these different channels. But it's, I mean, up until, let's say, like, ten years ago, there were only so many channels. You yeah. know? And whereas here we've had hundreds of channels, the United States is about choice. Uh-huh. Right? It's about being able to watch whatever you want. Right. And, I mean, yeah, like, if we were left to watch NPR and PBS... Or listen to NPR and watch PBS, and we'd probably be better off, because we'd all know about interesting things and watch documentaries that were about real things and listen to the news that was actually factual and unbiased. But instead, well, I mean, not to say that their reports are unbiased. They're they're just they're, they're unintentionally they're, unbiased. They're less uh, they're less en- entertainment and more information, though. I would I would say. I mean, they're not intentionally biased. Okay. Right, I mean, like the people at, at Fox are clearly one way. Right. One could argue MSNBC is leading a little left these days. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch TV, but uh. <laughs> well, but I'm sorry. I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I, don't, I apologize to us to be on your level with this I'm, topic. I'm assuming. No, no, no. I uh, I don't own a TV. There. Whoa! <laughs> I am. I'm too poor. Wow! You're so cool. I don't have a TV. No, I'm, that's TV's for the masses. Like you know. Boob tube and all that. <laughs> I prefer to spend my time on the internet playing old playing flash games. Anywho, do we have a conclusion for this one? Are you working up towards something? I'm uh, just saying we're all screwed. Okay. And no, it's just I think uh, it, there's gonna be some really interesting times coming on real soon because I don't know like the auto industry like there's an entire state fe- like built upon the foundation. That's true. And there are you know entire ways of our human our civil society based on the fact that there's newspapers mm-hmm. you know i mean how how are we going to get our news how are we going to learn these things how are we going to like be watchdogs for our representatives when when we don't know who to give access to and who not to mm-hmm. who do we let on air force one to ask the president questions and go around the world and ask him questions with him you know or to ask our representatives and senators in congress mm-hmm. these questions i mean who we like i said you can't just invite invite like reporter guy 42 mm-hmm. you know i it's just i think it's a really weird thing and i just i guess i have no conclusion i just wanted to throw, throw that one out there throw it out there and you, say you like can, i think uh, there are problems. 
you listeners out there in uh, internet land can can weigh in on this one uh, by writing to irregular search for truth at gmail.com I may have mumbled that let me repeat it irregular irregular search for truth at gmail dot com wow that was good uh one last i mean we're, i think we should end it in the next minute or so but i i uh wanted to mention as as with the whole we're screwed yeah. thing uh norman borlaug passed away uh this last week he was uh the guy who developed um he was sort of the fa- quote unquote father of the green revolution oh, yeah? developed rice and wheat varieties or i'm sorry uh wheat and corn varieties that uh that were more productive you know in terms of generating food whole other topic of debate and we can't get into it now uh but have an agricultural background and perhaps why i'm unemployed uh <laughs> it interests me and uh and so maybe we'll talk about norman borlaug next time but uh Anyway, uh, whether or not you think the Green Revolution was a great thing or a bad thing, uh, he seemed like a, a good person and, and sad to see him go. Um, anyway, weigh in on anything. Irregular search for truth at gmail.com. Should we, should we sign off then? Let's do it. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>